Doing Okay's Coming of Age podcast, Adults Never Get Stocked Teens, but we'll help them try one story at a time. I'm Dan. I'm Caitlin. I'm Olga. And I'm Keith. Remember, tune in every other Tuesday on podcast services around the world as we discuss coming of age stories via TV, movies, games, and more. Today's story is It Follows. All right, so first off, Olga is here. Hello. She is a newbie. She's never spoken before. This wow. is my first time learning to talk. I hope I get it, potato. Hmm. Wow. wow. I, I think you're going to leave now. I, I think that that is... I think we're going to regret I think this. we're voting you off the island. From the top. Uh, you're, the, you're the one who decided to make that joke. I'm just trying to roll with now, that. Okay. Now casting for the role of Olga is Movie the Dog. <laughs> If I could switch places with Moogie, you'd eat. Oh, that 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 fits in with the movie we're talking about. The game is Switch. The the trade game. What are you gonna trade? Oh, okay, right. I totally forgot about Switch. I think it It was was trade. Trade lives with. Anyway, um, so before we get into things, a quick note of housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, So as you might have heard from uh, Keith's rockin' intro there, Mm -hmm. we didn't say YouTube.com/slash doing okay. Because we're, we're switching up what we're going to do with the video side of this year podcast. I don't think we're going to do the full podcast up on YouTube. We're mostly just going to stay with that on audio services. But we're always going to have some sort of video something. Like a sort teaser. Of, to tease you. Like a tease. Dan's yeah. a, ter- a dirty tease. I am a dirty tease. Ask Olga. And so let's move on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> starting, no comment. Starting with Caitlin. What did you think of It Follows? I really liked it. I'm upset, though. Why? It was scary? Yeah, it was scary, and I'm going to keep thinking about people following me at Mm -hmm. night, and I'm probably not going to be home alone for a while. Which means I'm going to follow her at night, (laughs) slowly down the hallways. Olga. Yes. What did you think of It Follows? So, I think I I said somewhere in the middle of it, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, but I think I liked it. Yeah. Um, Which I said, that means you like it. Yes. Because it was effective. Yeah. Um, I think the word I would use to describe it is unsettling, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it was so beautifully Mm. filmed, and Mm. the score was phenomenal, so... I think I think I'm on board with this and would recommend it. Yeah, would recommend. Would recommend. Mm. I'm the only one who has seen it previous to this time. Although on the first time, I might have fallen asleep for a little bit of time. So <laughs> were you in I, class? No, I was. <laughs> no, <laughs> I paid money to go see it in the theater. Oh. Uh, I was just very tired that day. Um, it is a very good movie, but I did. I think at the first time, I, I was like, I know this is good, but I did miss some key things that occurred. <laughs> so I was happy to That's watch. It's probably also time. why you thought it was longer. Yeah. Um. I so I watched it this time and I enjoyed it immensely. It's beautiful. It's atmospheric mm. it's salacious salacious it's, i just i thought it would sound good um <laughs> and uh the audio speaking of sound the audio mixing could have used some work yeah but and i there, wonder how it sounded in a theater mm, a lot of the dialogue at least in when we were walking it just now it sounded very sort of muffled a little yeah. far away um but generally i think they did a great job with their budget um i think that they they found a nice balance with the characters where they felt very natural as people, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I would say so, in some ways that's positive and in some ways it's to the detriment of like, no one really had a character 
aside from maybe um, Paul. Like, yeah, like, because because it was so atmospheric, even the characters were atmospheric. Yeah, it was like no, like I I don't know that I would say personality traits of any of these characters, like I... other than like Paul is like the nice guy and. Greg is like the tough guy. Yeah. And like I think that the main character, Jamie J, she performed her role well, but basically her role was I am I am petrified. You know, like Yeah, I, she right. was very um defined by the actions that happened to her in the beginning of the movie that mm-hmm. we didn't really get to know a lot about her at all. Yeah. Now that's actually interesting because even though yes, I would agree with you, mm-hmm. usually that means there are no stakes. Yeah. But I definitely did not feel like there were no stakes. Yeah. There were stakes. Yeah. So the fact that they could do sort of ambiguous sort of atmospheric characters yeah. and definitely have good sense of stakes. Yeah. Is actually a pretty good strength. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing is I. Even though I think that she is, you know, you're not getting tons of information about how who she is as a person. Um, her performance is such that she feels like a real person. That's the thing; is they all feel like real people, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they're just not, they're kind of sort of ill-defined. But she's she's definitely the most defined. I think also getting back to the budget and something you said while we were watching it is mm-hmm. that, you know, it's really great that an indie film with what they could do, the villain or like the threat was Mm. someone walking slowly towards you. Mm. But that's also something that you can feel in the moment Mm -hmm. that you're also unsettled and you're also, you know, you feel that you could feel that happening to you. So I think that could also be part of why the characters, not that they're bland exactly, but Mm. that you can almost switch them out with yourself Mm -hmm. in the moment. And Mm -hmm. I think that's intentional. So going back a step in terms of, of the characters and kind of feeling for them and connecting with, with like Jay especially, how much of it would you say is, you know, for a lack of developed character, is it about sympathy for like the victim? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she is, it's the question that I'm struggling with of how much of it is sympathy for the victim versus seeing her as trying not to be a victim. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much the movie really said or did with that. Like I can't really come to a conclusion because in a way I do still see her as like, being very much yeah. the sympathetic. Can I quickly stop us? I'm going to give my quick plot synopsis and then we can circle back to that. Can I quickly stop you from stopping yes. us? Because <laughs> Keith hasn't said what he thinks well, yet. Well, before I do that, yeah. I think Olga, what you mentioned is very interesting because, and we'll definitely circle back around this uh, to this in more depth, mm. is it opens up the idea of agency. Mm. She is the victim, but she's also the aggressor, mm-hmm. just like the other kid was yeah. the aggressor that passed it to her. Yeah. So it's her turning you know the yeah. part part of the coming of age is the loss of innocence yeah which is conveyed with her agency like does she pass it who she passes yeah. it to etc right. all right i have more i want to say about that but i am going to circle back to it yes <laughs> Hence um, what I said. Yes. so many circles um all right so the basic plot of this movie is that there is a creature mm-hmm. uh, a virus um, um an entity an entity let's That's call the it perfect, an entity. perfect word for it entity yeah. love it so there is an entity that crosses from one individual to another uh-huh. via sexual intercourse. And by crosses, uh, let's say, uh, crosses haunt. Yeah. It's sort of a... Yes, you know. it's, a, it's a horrific creature entity um, that basically if someone has sex with you, now you will be followed by this entity. It follows you and it, it comes in the form of either a random person slowly walking towards you or someone you know walking towards you and it moves slowly but eventually it will catch up to you and it will kill you um and once it kills you it will move down the chain to the person who had sex with you and then the person they had sex with and 
all the way down to it gets to the beginning of Adam and Eve. Yeah, and, and, and let's point out that it is supposed to be linear. Yeah, because we were discussing that is it sort of rhizomatic or is it linear? But it, they mm-hmm. definitely said there is only one of it. It's yeah. slow, but it's smart. But there's only one of it, yeah. so it is. You know, it's not like. It is a disease that's spread in that sense. Yeah. It's passed very directly yeah. this person to that person to that person. Yeah. And so this, so that's sort of the the idea of the creature. But the actual plot is you have this character, Jay or Jamie, who goes on a date. She has her, her nice date with this boy. And then they end up hooking up later. Um, and then he sort of kidnaps her, ties her down, and explains the whole idea of this creature. Um, and is like, it's going to follow you now. Like, so you better survive because if you don't survive, then it'll come after me again. And he's like, pass it on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Keep keep the line going. So, I want to pause real quick yeah. just because that made me think of a question. Yes. Um, of how did, what, what was his name, the guy that passed it on to her? His name was Hugh in the, like, his original, like, his fake, fake name. name was Hugh. Right. I don't remember what his actual well, name was. Jeff or something. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. call him Hugh. Yeah. Can we did... call him Hugo? No. No. Um, <laughs> was <with> a shot. <laughs> How did Hugh understand what was going on well enough to explain it to Jay? And the reason I want to ask that is because he said... They asked him how did it how did he get it and yeah. he said oh he had sex with a girl in a uh, bar he doesn't yeah. even remember her like it seems like it was kind of a one night stand yeah. passing and who didn't and didn't seem like she explained it to him mm. so how did he mm. put together the pieces of like uh, I, maybe it's a plot hole yeah. I didn't know it's if kind I missed of a plot something hole. I think to a certain degree he has to just be very capable, which we kind of see with him when we go to his or, house later. The other oh. thing too is he could have passed it to people already, and it came back to him already. Sorry, so. there was a photograph of him. Oh, you're right. With it in that house, that abandoned house. There's yeah. a photograph of him with a girl in a Letterman jacket, yeah. and that girl is the one who was killed at the beginning. Yeah. So I think it's clear that he, he had a one night stand, eventually. and then he passed it to her. Well, yeah, I mean that's, that's then it came back to him. That's kind of what I meant by he's very capable. He he slowly was able to evade it for a long period to try to give it to other people he slowly gathered this intel and he sort of pieced it together that that's i mean mm-hmm. that's the generous like, reasoning yeah. the actual reasoning is it's a movie um, <laughs> but so yeah so this guy he tells her all about it jay is traumatized he is very upset uh he starts seeing the entity following her around going after her um she and her she has a group of of, of friends her friendly friends. He has her sister, her her uh, nice guy, best friend Paul, mm-hmm. um, the neighbor boy who's a saucy minx, Greg, and some girl with glasses. And we don't know her. <laughs> who's? I think she's just one of their original. Yeah, one of, friends. I think it's one of the sisters' friends. Yeah, yeah. One, one of them biffles. And so they all sort of like go off and try. They they go after Hugh to figure out. Uh, what was he, uh, you know, what was actually going on with that? He gives them more information, um, but ultimately all of the friends start to believe in the entity mm-hmm. as they see it actually attacking. Because they can't see us. I didn't say this. You can't see it unless you're the one infected. You, or, yeah, if you have or are being haunted yeah. by it, yeah. then you can see it. Otherwise, you can interact with it mm-hmm. and it can interact with you, yeah. but you cannot see, see it. It, yeah. it can interact sense. with the environment, except yeah. it can only walk. Yeah. yeah, It can interact with the environment yeah. slowly, unless it's attacking, yeah. and then there seems to be some exception because it can throw you away fast. Yeah. Break through things. So, the general thing here is that she tries passing it on to Greg. Greg ends up getting killed. She tries to pass it on to other people. Ultimately, 
Um, she has to face off with it in this whole pool setup, which goes awry, but they think they kill it in the end. Paul shoots it. Um, and then they which think... great visuals in the pool. Yes, very cool. Um, ultimately, they think they kill it. They're wa- she, she and Paul feel comfortable to finally have sex together, and they're walking down the street, and then someone's following them. And yeah. The question is, that goes yeah. unanswered, yeah. is it the entity... Yeah following the both of you know, the yeah. two of them or is it just yeah. a person and, and yeah. my favorite part of that is they never like focus pull yeah. onto the person mm-hmm. it's always blurry yeah. it's not even zoomed in it's not big yeah. it's just oh between the two figures there is a blurry shape in the background yeah. moving slowly but then it actually switches pov to behind them mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would be the pov yeah. of yeah. the thing yeah. following them yeah. so again the question yeah. continues yeah. Well, and so I think the thing that works really well about the horror in this is that it is a very innate fear. Uh, of the unknown. Yeah, yeah. And I would say probably more so for women. The fear of being um, followed. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very relatable fear. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Especially because it's the ambiguity. Yeah. Is it a real threat or is it not a real threat? Yeah. It's sort of a definition of what Which is what why you always is. have to treat everything like a threat. Yeah. yeah. Which, the thing is, so, like, there are other fears, like, like stuff like zombies, like, that has, like, sort of an innate thing of, like, claustrophobia or feeling overwhelmed or whatever. But this is, but that's still, like, more of a metaphor mm-hmm. where this is very grounded. much grounded in something that you can experience on a daily basis. And it's, like, it's taking that little fear that people deal with every day mm-hmm. or could be a bigger fear depending on what's going on uh, and the person. Uh, and it, sort of extrapolating Magnifies. it, yeah. Um, Beyond that, I would say, if we're talking about fears of women, mm-hmm. it's uh, she thought she could trust this man. Mm-hmm. She thought she got to know him. He took advantage of mm-hmm. her, yeah. like by passing along to her. That's taking advantage of her. He just wanted distance between it and him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she was traumatized by it. It got in the way of her life. Like she was afraid to leave her home. She couldn't go back to school she had to keep running she didn't feel trust like for other people it distanced mm. her friendships from other men so it definitely it, feels like a metaphor for sexual assault and rape yeah. right yeah. but and, beyond that also just even if you take the direct std mm-hmm. uh yeah. metaphor it's yeah i took a chance on this guy and now he's like ruined and he knowingly more. spread it right too. Yeah. yeah and the thing that i think is pretty smart on that too is Yes, obviously it's bringing up the idea of rape and all that, but they make it very clear that it's not rape and they call it because the sex is consensual to a degree, right? The, the event of the sex itself alone is consensual. Yeah, when she thinks he's just a normal yeah. guy that she's dating. But yeah. then she, she, he like comes out with like a chloroform like rag and like kidnaps her, ties her down and explains it. So it's like the trauma comes after the consent. And so it's like taking her voice away when explaining it to the police because the police says, oh, so it was consensual. So it's like removing her mm-hmm. uh, voice even further, taking away, making her more powerless to even say, yeah. you know, that I'm a victim because the uncertainty, the ambiguity. I will say, I mean, I, I'm interested to see more of what you guys think about this because it's a very gray area whether he actually raped her, right. in my opinion. Because then you get it, if you extrapolate it to something less extreme, right? If the idea is, um, you and know. Even less extreme is like kidnapping. Well, no, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking less extreme yeah. of violence or whatever. I take it to the idea of, oh, it's rape if I consensually have sex with someone who 
it was under false pretenses, all right? Mm-hmm. So say we take it to the step back of like, say I had like, yeah, I had a bad record and then yeah. I slept with someone and hadn't told them about that. Uh-huh. But if they'd known about that record, they wouldn't have slept with me. Yes. I'm just saying like everybody right. hides things about themselves. They portray the best version right. of themselves. Um, and then there's obviously people who straight up lie to get into bed with people. Mm-hmm. Is that, I'm honestly asking this question, is that rape? Mm-hmm. It's violating. It's violation. It can be. Yeah, it can. It's not, well, so we're going to go at, into the weird area of does it feel like rape or legally is it rape? Yeah. Because while we were watching it, Olga, you brought up that if you lie about your name or there are certain, there are a lot of different versions of this. Mm. If you disguise who you are in some way, yeah. that can that can be considered rape a lot of the time. Yeah. It's like a What's knowing disguise, though. Well, so so that's the, the thing. Versus one of the like... things that like put this um, idea into discussion about becoming a law. I think it was a group of police officers, but I'm not sure. And there was like hazing going on, um, but it wasn't explicit. So like there was a rookie cop, he was blindfolded and he thought that he was going to get a blow job from mm. uh, like a prostitute or that they hired for mm-hmm. like a party. Mm. And then he was hazed and it was actually another cop. Mm-hmm. And so he reported it as rape because even though like they were recording it and he was like enjoying it mm. like quote unquote yeah. because he like of what he thought was happening yeah. and then they took the blindfold off him and like showed him what was really happening yeah. happening to him he didn't consent yeah. to yeah. sex with that person he right that's, but that's pretty cut and dry i think yeah i think that's a little different because it's physically two right. different well, people, I'm saying but... that that was um a case that started right. a mm. larger conversation the of the idea of you know being transparent yeah i believe someone who was knowingly spreading hiv was right. charged with like mm. man um with attempted murder or something like mm. that where and he went away because yeah for I think the rest of his life because of so many how many people he spread disease to. And how many to. people could then be spread to. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because the whole thing is, well, they consented to sex with him, yeah. but yeah. under the false pretense yeah. of not knowing yeah. that he, because he didn't disclose. Now, yeah. this but, is getting very off topic to a degree, but that is very interesting because does it come down to intentions with that? Because somebody who <laughs> has HIV could be careless, yeah. right, and spread it and is as a crime. But if I'm doing it with malice, doing the same effect, mm-hmm. does that is that what turns it into a crime? If or is you know, it only the effect? So uh, I know with HIV, I don't know how other STDs would work, but uh, HIV, if you know you have it and you are not disclosing it or you're not, like, in, it's like informed consent. I know that that is mm-hmm. something that you could be at the very least, sued for. I don't know criminally, but yeah, at the very sued, least, like, I can believe yeah. right. But yeah, again, let's let's take it back to a simpler yeah. level, and I, maybe again outside of the law version of it, where it's like if you had a more normal, for lack of a better word, STD. Um, let's call them Stan. Okay, if Stan yes. had a no, STD, no, the STD is okay. called Stan. Oh. If you had an STD <laughs> named Stan, um, and you knowingly pass it on to somebody else because you're just like, I don't care, yeah. I gotta I get rid of this Stan. Yeah, I, I don't. I would consider that person a douchebag yeah. and not a good person, but I wouldn't ha- consider that to be rape. And maybe I'm wrong to not I think, consider well, that rape. Well, I think but... it's more assault. I, I, I think that like the legal definitions yeah. of rape while they haven't been modified over time, they they are fairly more, uh, what was it earlier? We were talking about something else, but it's like a rectangle is to a square. Like rape mm-hmm. is a type of assault, but right. not all assault 
is, is rape. rape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a game of sort of like classification. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I want to talk more about what you were saying about the agency stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, both of you guys were saying that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the gender politics of this film? Do mm-hmm. you think, because to a certain degree, something about it innately feels positive to me but when i but when i but when i look at like the specifics of what occurred it's hard for me to back that up because yes he does take agency yes he he seems like a complex character like he's not just like oh i'm a victim but like he isn't the one who defeats the creature and he is just like constantly destroyed throughout the whole movie right so what do you guys think neutral I have an opinion on this. I, uh, so basically, I, I, I don't want this to come out harsh, mm-hmm. harshly, but I would say that despite the the sci-fi horror twist mm-hmm. here, um, this her story of her being both a victim and yet continuing to live her life, yeah. like it's pretty realistic. Again, mm-hmm. if you peel back the layers of... Like, she was traumatized. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Like, that's the reality. Like, she lives with her trauma. It takes her time to get over it. She needs the support of other people. They Mm. don't always understand her or know how best to help her. And she struggles with that. And she retracts and tries to fight it on her own and doesn't always win. Her friends are sitting outside at one point and she's barricaded herself in her room. Mm -hmm. Like... That is not, those are not the actions of a hero, yeah. but those are realistic things that happen to, to people, to survivors. To yes. Yeah. That I, yeah. Survivor is kind of the, the nicer version. Not just the nicer yeah. version, but it's the truth More because empowering. she, yeah. at the end of the day, at least for now, like the ending we see, she has survived it for now. Like yeah. you survive it until... You don't. It, you don't. I mean, I suppose in the context of like it being a thing that can kill you, yeah, yeah. like physically an illness, yeah. then yeah. yes, you might fall victim to it. Yeah. But you live every, every day that you win out against it, yeah. you are surviving. Yeah. So I would say that while it is the, I don't know how much agency she really has. She has a life. Like she mm. wins back a life. She yeah. has a re- relationship. She still continues having friends. She yeah. learns to live with this. And that's kind of what the, truth of the matter mm-hmm. is for so many people not just women but yeah. people who have so these assaults her, happen to them her sort of heroism is in the continuance of sort of the mundane day-to-day structure of life as opposed to you know stereotypically overcoming yeah. or defeating the monster yeah. the fact that you know she could have the down and then come up to a little bit more neutral yeah. is her heroism yeah and because there is this question of did they really win i would say that again that's something that survivors live with where if you're looking again the illness thing of will it catch up to me decades from now and it could also whether the illness or not you could also just be i'm always looking over my shoulder because i can't trust people right Um, i mean that metaphor is is very prevalent yeah uh caitlin you haven't said much about this well so i think as far as the gender politics go i think we actually had a really good balance for both um, men and women. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, it, we start with the girl who was passed on by Hugh Jeff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And she she gives up. Yeah. She drives to somewhere far away so that she's not near her family. Mm-hmm. And she just waits for it to get her. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of... She's shown as a powerless um, 
female character, mm-hmm. whereas Jay is shown as a stronger character because she's trying to keep her wits about her despite the trauma and yeah. trying to survive, and she doesn't give up that we see. Yeah, and she surrounds herself with friends, and that's part of what right. makes her be able to get past it. Yeah, yeah definitely in this yeah. context, like, I facing it with people, yeah. like, both the metaphor and, the act, and, like, actually what's happening in the movie, facing mm-hmm. it with people versus on your own, is huge and i definitely would want others around me in that situation (laughs) um and as far as the men we also see a big difference i think throughout the characters for the initial male character that spreads it um because i keep forgetting what his actual name is Uh, (laughs) hugh (laughs) hugh jeff stop trying to make hugo happen Um, he's seen as a complex character. We're not supposed to like or dislike him. Mm. He seems to have tried to not pass it on as much as he could, but until he kind of drove yeah. drove himself into insanity, he was um, I, I think crafty in, yeah. the, in how he set up his apartment, yeah. whereas then we have Greg, who's kind of an idiot, um, doesn't listen to anyone, mm. even though he like witnesses the assault. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think he's an idiot. I think he... He's honest. meant to have made a mistake. Yeah. But I don't... He hasn't been shown to be a, a, like a bumbling idiot. Yeah. Greg doesn't believe her. Yeah. So in a way, he's more he's more of a villain than than Hugh is because Hugh, while he does this awful thing of yeah. like passing it to her, like he's afraid for his life. He and a, he has also been a victim, a victim yeah. of this yeah. and traumatized by it and will continue to be forever yeah. too. Yeah. It's not really an excuse, but it's an understanding of like when you when right. you have PTSD and when you're dealing with something traumatic, you're not always going yeah. to make the best decisions. Right. Whereas uh, Greg, he's like, yeah, I don't think that this is the explanation. I don't really believe yeah. her. So he doesn't take her seriously. He doesn't take her uh, yeah. Because he didn't witness thing, you know. There's a bit yeah. more of like he didn't witness it. He didn't this. He didn't Again, take it seriously. The allegory of you don't see it unless you've seen it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there is a sort of feminist egalitarianism with the fact that they treat it with respect that he, someone, a woman did it to him. Mm-hmm. He when she sends it to other men later, Jay, that's considered to be a big deal where she did something terrible too. So they're sort of in a roundabout way, sort of acknowledging male rape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's obviously a complicated metaphor, but right. like, or at the very least, the same idea of violation mm-hmm. of passing the disease on without the person's it's consent. Not, it's not one direction. Yeah. Consent isn't just, yeah. like, the issue of that isn't. Yeah, if it was just a women. woman feeding disease, right. that would be ridiculous. Yeah. A, a woman feeding Like, it fed disease? only off of women. So. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> I will say where this movie in my eyes fails is in the politics of Paul, who mm-hmm. straight up is very much the classic nice, nice guy, guy trope. Who shoots the other girl and doesn't even look her in the <laughs> eye and say sorry. <laughs> and like he completely ends up getting the girl, even though he consistently is kind of a creep about it. Yeah. And he is the one who saves her. Like, so there's definitely mm-hmm. not great right. politics. I don't that. like Paul. Yeah. yeah. For a variety of reasons. One, like you were saying, he was creepy yeah. throughout a lot of it. He's she he sees that she's traumatized. He sees that she's not in a good way, and he still continuously tries to come on to her and he even tries to use the idea of him saving her as a way to get in her pants and then he succeeds (laughs) this may not be intentional Mm -hmm. but in a way that's actually great the fact that the real villain is sort of put to rest or 
you know, supposedly. And then we have Paul sort of coming into the place of like the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fact that that we have the uncertainty, oh, is the monster still out there? Mm -hmm. Meaning is the threat comes back mm -hmm. because Paul fills the role. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's intentional. No, but, I, yeah. I, I don't, but it's <laughs> yeah. interesting. It's very yeah. interesting if you put yeah. that analysis on it. The other thing is, I think it's worth mentioning, we talked about this a little bit last time on Ginger Snaps, the sexualization of the female characters. Uh, specifically, I, I, I just, I think it's worth talking about the fact that so much of uh, the main sort of intense first scene um, of her in the, on the chair, on the wheelchair, is so much directly on her in her bra and that that was yeah. used in all the marketing materials of this is how we're setting it up and blah, blah, blah. I, I think that there's, it sort of adds to the fear and the atrocity of what's happening to her. Mm -hmm. But I also do feel like there is some, there's some gazing yeah. happening. Right. Now there's two very important points that yeah. kind of almost counter it. Yeah. Uh, which is, we, we discussed the first one, which is, there is a significant portion of nudity in this film, mm. but none of the main characters are seen as nude. And mm. Dan, what was your Well, my, my point was that the nudity is supposed to be horrific. It signifies something is off and wrong. Yeah. Um, and not it's not to be salacious. It's to be frightening. Yeah. Which I think is great. And that does sum it up. I think that yeah. it was very much intentional. Yeah. Now, point two on that thread is... Um, you also have the recurring theme. Obviously, it, it's about sex, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not just like, oh, we're using sex to build tension yeah. to scare you. Yeah. It is about sex and it's about vulnerability. Yeah. So, yes, you're showing her that way, but yeah. you have to show her that way. That's kind of the point. And she is, you know, she's in that state of undress. She's vulnerable. And just like the girl at the very beginning who was in her, like, skimpy pajamas with red high heels, mm -hmm. now you've got her in her underwear with her red fingernails. Mm -hmm. So I think symbolism and, like, the visuals, it is very valid mm -hmm. to, in my mind. Anyways. What do you guys think? I don't think it was superfluous. I think that there was thought put behind how they laid everything out, especially mm -hmm. with, we've talked about the cinematography so much, I think that 99% of what we see in this movie is purposeful and intentional. Yeah. So, for instance, something that I saw um, when she's in that wheelchair scene is that her undergarments are also, and I think this plays into this timeless idea that they wanted to have, yeah. are not very modern and, mm -hmm. like, they're, they are still very covering. Mm -hmm. And I think that yeah. and maybe that's why I thought she was a virgin in the beginning because mm -hmm. they kind of dressed her like yeah. one. Well, and I think that they also were specifically going after the trope of the virginal sacrifice. Sac you know, yeah. yeah, she was in a bathing suit a lot. Yeah. in this movie, yeah. I would say it was never really like sexy. Yeah, mm -hmm. like they never put her in like a two-piece. Yeah, like string. Yeah, like yeah. a string mm -hmm. bikini or whatever. She was always in a one-piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the only exception where you see more skin is where she's you know like getting dressed, and yeah. then later when she's after she's been attacked yeah. by him and she's in white yeah that's when she's in white and yeah. it's that and that scene is totally earned in my opinion right because that's more about the horror than anything yeah else. but then if anything they're playing with it again of she was she wasn't a virgin yeah uh, at the beginning of the movie even though they clarify that more later yeah but she puts on this again like the pure virginal white after she's been attacked. So it's just kind of this, yeah. again, the color with it. Mm -hmm. and kind of this Play. reclaiming maybe of you, I, I think you could think of it at the end of when she is in white right. and she's walking down that it's kind of like a fresh start. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that 
sex has been so vilified in her life Mm -hmm. for like a good chunk of her life at that point that and I don't think that they were going this far even or that she was thinking this exactly Mm -hmm. but that you could say in her mind she was restarting as a virgin in that way of like Mm -hmm. restarting I want to like on a fresh start yeah now I do think there were also undertones of uh, her father being maybe sexual, a sexual yeah, abuser. I was wondering, yeah, that, mm-hmm. because the neighbors yeah. say you know the family's all screwed up or something. Mom's yeah. an alcoholic, yeah. yeah, and that that is never shown except for in the end where she says, "I don't want to say what I see." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because well, he he shows up as the entity, yeah. going after her, and we again, it's never, and that was like one of the most horrifying yeah. moments right. for yeah. her. And also, there is this note of her sister earlier before she was brought back by Hugh uh, and dr- dumped in front of her house by him after mm-hmm. like being attacked. Um, her sister's like, oh yeah, she was always the pretty one. So it could even be like, it's yeah, she didn't experience the... their father's like... Bond for like, a bad word. Right, <laughs> yeah. Or like the father went after the pretty daughter, so to speak. Like he went over after mm-hmm. her right. instead of that sister. And that's maybe another reason why uh, Jay didn't want to tell her sister like who it is that's attacking her mm-hmm. of like continuing to keep from her everything that he may have again, done. You don't see it unless you've seen it. Right, yeah. right. And that's could again be like she's the victim. She could be the victim of that, but she is choosing what to express. Like it is her story to tell or not to tell. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read some of these interpretation things. Don't that are you on dare. <laughs> Dan, don't you do it. So Dan. I'm skipping over some of the obvious things like critics saying that it's a parable for HIV and sexually transmitted infections. No. Uh, so some of the, some quotes here. I don't here. know where they got that from. I, I give that one a C minus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the director slash writer said, I'm not that personally that interested in where it, as in the entity, came from. To me, it's dream logic in the sense that they're in a nightmare, and when you're in a nightmare, there's no solving the nightmare. Even if you try to solve it, Mitchell said, that while Joy opens herself up to the danger through sex, sex is the one way in which she can free herself from the danger. We're all here for a limited amount of time, and we can't escape our mortality. But love and sex are two of the ways in which we can, at least temporarily, push death away. That's pretty great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's... But, but again, that's yeah. that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Of you win by continuing to live your life and open yourself up to yeah. more yeah. understanding people. Yeah. And like people who are have STD that are HIV positive, they still, especially yeah. now, are able to find people and live their lives fully without the fear of that. I will say, I do think that that metaphor, as beautiful as it is, is a little flawed because it's not exactly a positive thing in this world when she passes it on. Well, it is positive in the sense that it is biologically like, I am surviving another day. Yeah. Um, Now, I wanted to use that as a good springboard to go into what we were discussing before about sort of like the evolutionary biology of Mm -hmm. the entity. Yeah. So what I found particularly interesting is we talk about the biology uh, of the entity as a disease, an infection, a parasite, that kind of thing. You talk about like, you know, you need to have the host, the, the, the haunty, mm-hmm. if I'm using that term correctly, <laughs> to survive long enough to pass it on for the survival of the species, or in this case, the entity. Yeah. So not only do you like 
right? It's slow moving that's building up. It's not, I'm going to kill you and catch you, you know. Yeah. I'm going to haunt you, follow you, and you have a chance to pass it on. And you have mm. pressure motivate to pass it on, yeah. motivate you. Yeah. But also in the effect that when Hugh or the you know artist formerly known as Hugh <laughs> explains it to Jay and, and says in his survival yeah. is also her survival. Yeah. So not only does he want to survive, he wants her to survive. And by doing that, mm. the entity is further surviving because it's being spread further and further. Yeah. So the, the onus is on the infected to not only infect more, yeah. but to make sure the people that in front of you in the chain yeah. survive. And it's like perpetuating. Yeah. And this, also you know, the, the, the follower gets rid of things that aren't worthwhile to it that won't spread it further, that are right. just sl slowing it down. It's trimming, yeah. it's trimming, trimming the, the, the evolutionary yeah. tree. Yeah. So that's very fascinating. It wants to stay alive, yeah. even though it's trying to kill its victims. Yeah. But only at the right time. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So do we want to talk about sort of more of the filmic elements, the cinematography, the music? You yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. So... Before we get to the cinematography, because I think yep. we could all agree it was fabulous. Oh, so good. So good. Um, I think yeah. it was the best part of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Let's circle back a little bit before we were talking about the budget and the audio. Yeah. Um, so the dialogue, yes, I think on a lot of the movie was a little quiet. Yeah. And I feel like it was probably they just had the microphones a little bit too far back yeah. and realized they couldn't uh, you know, up the game too much, otherwise it would be real crappy. Yeah. And then I think the other end is the score was great. It yeah. was like 80s sort of synth, yeah. but not even 80s, but like fake retro 80s yeah. synth video game music. Well, and it was it was very. I think it was pretty inspired by Halloween. Yeah, um, it was pretty inspired by those that by classic slasher movies, and so I think that that can also in some way segue us. I don't know if we want to immediately segue, but to the out of time nature that they're going right. for the sort of timeless aspect of yes, this feels like an old thing. They're they're you know. Than the looks and, and mm. some of the technology they use, but also, you know... It's a new take on that, yeah. and it's removing one step from being an actual in time and place. Yeah, yeah. They're not... They're never... It's never a period piece. It's never in modern day. They specifically have the glasses girl with her weird clamshell. Let's, yeah. let's go. Don't jump ahead. Let's okay. get to that class. That's a whole oh, okay. section. Yeah. <laughs> what is it now? <laughs> um, I don't know. Do we want to say more about the cinematography? I definitely think there was great shots uh, like when they were on the... Um, wheelchair great stuff from different angles within the car as yeah. we pull away as people are chasing her in the car now um, jumping real quick back to the audio yeah uh, what i wanted to mention is i do think especially at the beginning mm -hmm. the sound mixing was strange and that the audio the music which mm -hmm. was supposed to be the background music yeah was too loud yeah and i think they suffered sort of they were too proud of their score therefore tried to show it off too prevalently mm -hmm. in scenes when it should have been dialed back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I also think in general, if we're going to do some criticism of the movie, I do agree that the opening sequence is not awesome. It could have been better. Uh, it's not awesome, but it's definitely not terrible. Yeah, oh, I agree with that, yeah. It was, um, it was confusing. Okay. Yeah. So cinematography. It's, I mean, pretty. <laughs> I mean, we want to talk more about colors, the color palette yeah. i think it's beyond this the cinematography the color grading in this yeah. movie is eye-popping it's phenomenal and it's so different than the usual horrific color it's not grading. gray it's yeah. not green it's yeah. not dingy it's yeah. normal yeah not too vibrant but yeah. very smartly vibrant yeah things certain colors pop and draw your mm -hmm. attention and it's sort of I guess it really creates that dreamlike thing yeah. that he was talking about, right? It's like there is 
And you were talking about how there's sort of mist and, and smoke mm-hmm. in the air a lot of the time. In a lot of the interiors, it looked like they had a fog machine <laughs> and or a old-fashioned lens on a wide aperture mm-hmm. that was getting a lot of haze from open light sources. Yeah, because I was going to say it wasn't filmed on film, right? But it kind of I don't gave it think that so. old look yeah, regardless yeah, because yeah. of the techniques they use. I think I would be willing to bet some medium to small amount of money <laughs> that the lenses they were some of the lenses they were using were vintage lenses. Mm-hmm. And I and I I mean that seems to fall in, in line with the idea yeah. that they're going for in general of this timeless thing. So in my mind I feel like this leads nicely to talking about the color schemes yes. Yes. of this. So uh, speaking of just first we'll narrow in on some of the more like character centric color yeah. schemes. But I think I noticed among among like settings that mm. cool tones which normally mm. i would say are like very like cool tones are chilling like yeah. you feel unnerved i would say that when it was cooler was actually when they were more at ease mm-hmm. than when it was sunnier or redder tones like especially because it was a blue green it wasn't a mm. cool, gray cool, yeah. it was like a very aqua yeah well and i think the thing i mean unless i'm forgetting but like they almost never really had an overall color cast. It wasn't like this no, is the yeah. green scene. Like it if, was the right. set. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. if there was a pur- if they were purple, it was because there was a purple light. You know, yeah. like it, and so it wasn't it was like so refreshing. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like okay, yeah. Now they're now they're uh, at peace. So there's a blue there's a blue aura around mm-hmm, them. Right. Instead, it was we're in a nice place where there's a nice warm light or a nice cool light. You know, like. It was all motivated. Right. Yeah. Um, and let's just kind of define it. So we've got the blue greens, mm-hmm. we've got the red family, which includes like the maroons and the corals, mm-hmm. and we've got white. Mm-hmm. I think those are our three main symbolic colors in the film. Although I did feel like that yellow phone really stuck out, but I'm not really. Yes, yeah. but for that scene in particular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I and think it drew attention to the blue wall. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Blue and yellow yeah. are so. Oh no! I mean, we. I mean, yeah. don't let's not mention. Was it you made a joke about? Uh, yeah. yeah, I did. And that was in that scene. And then that the the that was her first experience of like the stalker of the entity yeah. uh, other than when he yeah. showed it to her when she was back in her own home and I was like, Oh ha ha, like urine. I and think that was definitely liquid. intentional. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But before that she was at ease. I would say that the only time that like in the pool, again, very blue, mm-hmm. very greenish blue yeah. with the water, but they had a plan. Like they mm-hmm. were ready to fight against it mm-hmm. and that was the thing even though it turned violent there yeah. it was still and and we were tense because yeah. something was about to strike it was still like their domain and yeah. their them being like what's the word i'm looking for um Prepared. advantage yeah. them yeah. being in an advantage the, the, the home ground advantage yeah. Yeah. yeah now a lot of the friends mm. wore denim jackets a lot of the time and mm, i yeah. think it's because technically speaking the best advantage you can have is to be always with two, at least two people. Mm-hmm. Because if you're with at least at least two people, you have one person say, do you see that person over there? And you have the other person say, do you see this person right next to me? Mm-hmm. So the friends being the support group that we talked about when we were talking about sort of sexual assault and rape mm-hmm. is the comfort. That's why they're always in blue. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see, yeah, I could see that too. Uh, the blue thing, I will say, I feel like I would have to, to really understand the color theory in all this, mm-hmm. It it did get a little confusing, and I feel like I'd have to like rewatch each scene yeah. by scene to really know because there is significant times where she's wearing a bright blue jacket, and it doesn't seem like she's safe. And in, in in fact, one of the major 
of one of the major posters that I've seen is both her in the blue jacket and blue text. Mm -hmm. And so like, because at the beginning we spent so much time being like, oh, red is the color of victim or or the the Mm -hmm. disease or whatever. And that did seem to be a major thing. So I I feel like they were so clearly intelligent that there was theories behind every every thing that they did. But will, it wasn't yeah. obvious. I may be mistaken. Yeah. But from very early on, when we saw the red high heels at the yeah. beginning, I'm like, I know this is going to come back. Mm-hmm. I started to pay pretty close attention. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I've only seen it once, so I'm probably mixing things yeah. up. But I think even when the victims are wearing blue, yeah. it's not to show that they're safe per se, but it's a lull in the danger. Mm-hmm. I would say the blue jacket that you brought up, yeah. she was wearing that over her pajamas when she was with her friends arriving at Hugh slash yeah. Jeff's house. Yeah. Like, yeah, she wasn't safe. If anything, yeah. she, they were both in danger there. Yeah, yeah. But it was them being tactical. It was them trying yeah. to figure things out. So it was, yeah. again, a, a lull. When it she signaled. was... Uh, there was the difference of moving from being the victim to yeah. taking control of the situation. Yeah. Right. Also interesting that I guess remembering, and I, I might not be completely right about this, but I believe in the original marketing materials when this went to Cannes Film Festival, mm-hmm. it was red text. In the one that went to wider audiences, mm-hmm. once they once they got the backing to actually put it in theaters, it became blue text. I know so that's, that's because different people yeah, exactly. make yeah. those decisions. Yeah, I guess well. I guess the, yeah. thing, I guess think mostly it's worth noting the original vision was for this red text. Yeah. So maybe so. let's let's just list some things. So blue, the jackets, the friends, the yeah. pool, the walls, hospital walls. Yeah. Um, yes. The, the her the her wall. hospital gown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then red was the, shoes, the fingernails. fingernails. The shoes. Uh, before we go to red, something. Uh-huh. So we were talking earlier of her like innocence and some like presumed virginity and things mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. knowing she wasn't pure before, her color was pink. Right. Yeah. So in she between. was in a pink dress in on her oh, first yeah. date with him, right. and then she was in the like pinkish coral mm-hmm. underwear when yeah. when they first have sex and he attacks her. And when she's about to go on the boat, she's got like a magenta. Yes, so her, it's getting darker. A little right, bit. and or like bright pink with mm-hmm. black lace underwear when she sees guys on the boat on mm-hmm. the lake. So I think pink is more the color of her agency, actually, mm-hmm. of her being like free and and. See, I don't choice. agree with that. Okay. I think the pink. I think the pink is the virginal thing. I think pink I think is transitional. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's on the okay. it's on the step to. Yeah. It's like oh, you're well. It's, maybe you could say it's also the the color of flirtation. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. And, and specifically in this case, flirtation is the target yeah. for victim um, for for victimization. Yeah. You know, so the crosshairs are on her, but she's not quite just yet the victim yeah. itself. I think the prostitute they show at the end oh, yeah. wasn't pink. Wasn't pink. I yeah, think you're right. Yeah. The one that they focused on. Yes. Yeah. 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 Who yeah. looks at uh Paul, was it? Paul, yeah. 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 Um and then white because I think red is like the very like focused color. I kinda yeah. wanna like get to that one, yeah. unless you want to. I, I feel like we should move on from the color thing. No, we got well, no. name colors. No, name I want white. Like, so white, all of the, like, the creature, the thing, is oh. almost always in white. It's okay. like in white underwear, or white nightgowns. Or even, naked. Or naked. Yeah. Pale, pallid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. The, actually, there's never a person of, actually, there's never a person of color at all in this movie. Is that true? Whoa. And they're in Detroit. Huh. <laughs> 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 That may be I true. can't. Yeah, I can't think of a single character of color. 
including the creature, which I'm glad that the only person of color wouldn't be the creature. I thought there, there may be some neighbors at the, the beginning. The woman yeah. neighbor who checked on the girl who was in the background not focused on was like, are you all right when the no, girl yeah. runs out of her house? I thought some of the creature oh, right. times they uh, were people of color, but I might be wrong. I know. I thought so. they were like her teacher. Two- oh, yeah. Her teacher was African-American. Which is... Yeah. I mean, not great as not being a main character, but yeah. for being a college professor, that's, you know, yeah. there, yeah. Are worse, there, there are worse things. Yeah, but she know? was very easily forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, I look mean, at how much we're struggling. I think and we can, that can be a separate conversation, yeah. but I think also if they are going for this timelessness, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, it almost puts it no, in a certain time. It's a, a necessary when, evil to do so. No, I'm saying I feel like it puts it in a certain time to have like all the characters Uh be of one race because I think that gets... You know, when we saw people of color, specifically African-Americans, when they were driving into the shitty part of town to try and find where... Where where he lived, where he lived. Yeah, well, you know, I think... The other thing is I'm more forgiving of this kind of thing when it's an indie movie where I'm like... I don't even know how they got these actors. Were they like friends with some of them potentially? You know, like I'm, I'm more forgiving in they that. They paid them of... in vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> when you have less. Yeah, um, when you have less resources and the less, you know. No, let's yeah. name. Red I'm not things. gonna say one. Uh, yeah, one way or the other. But what, what more were you saying about the white, the creature? Oh well, um, her after being uh, coming back, Greg. She's in white. Yes, mm-hmm. in mostly white shirt. And again, at the end, when both she and Paul are walking in white. Actually, hmm. She's in white when she sees the creature attacking Greg. And they're both in white. So is the reset literal in meaning they wear white after passing it? Hmm. That would be worth Ooh. a rewatch. Is they, yeah. the people hmm. in white is right after passing it. Well, then she, but then she takes the white off and when she goes to have sex with the guys on the boat. That's interesting. But maybe... Yeah. Well, because she's at risk again. She takes yeah. the white off yeah. because she's... Yeah, because the guy died, yeah. Greg died. I want to specifically talk about the sequence where they're walking and they're talking about how they weren't supposed to leave suburbs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that was like the most... Um, here's our... Th- like, here's part of our thesis mm-hmm. scenes of the entire movie. Um, and in some ways, I think... At, at once, I thought it was fascinating and also a little bit too blunt because mm-hmm. um, they just didn't really have a lot of conversations like that aside from that scene. Right. It was um, a different yeah. type of surreal. So yeah. I have a big opinion on like really mundane suburbia that relates to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my old boss was talking to me about how his son was going to move back from the West Coast to the East Coast and a certain area of Massachusetts that they were thinking about. And I said that that would be a terrible idea because you would just mostly be out in the middle of the woods. There really wouldn't be a lot around. And that's when kids get in the most trouble Mm -hmm. because there's nothing around Mm -hmm. to entertain you. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You go out into the middle of the woods, you drink, you do drugs and you have sex. And like, I'm not trying to demonize that in particular, but that when those are your only modes of entertainment, Mm -hmm. that's when it can get toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of the theme here with the suburbia of like being read outside Detroit and not going into the dirty city, you know, and they were kind of not... I don't know if vilifying is the right word, but like putting around the threat and of the idea of sex. Yeah. I think that's very interesting, but I disagree. I think it is a metaphor, but a very different one. Suburbia is them 
being sheltered mm-hmm. and still under the influence of their parents and society. And when they leave suburbia and go into the city, it's to kill the monster. Therefore, they're growing up, transitioning. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. the growth. And they're becoming, like, quote, adults by being the ones that are going to handle it. And not listening to their parents. Right. Not so that's what I think that is. I, so I definitely think there was a transitional, especially because they were also talking about going back to a place from their youth and they were, they were like mm-hmm. empowering that. But I think there was something, I almost want to re-listen to that dialogue because there was something about it that sort of was aiming at the hypocrisy of the situation, I mm-hmm. felt like, where they were sort of like, how messed up is it that we weren't supposed because there was this magical barrier mm-hmm. where they're like i i couldn't step two feet you know down two blocks down here just because it was the city even though i was going to the state fair what like, they said right. i forget exactly yeah it was the fair yeah. and if anything i think the city is the coded language for like the dangerous areas yeah. and yeah. and i think it's not whereas they experienced all their danger in suburbia right mm-hmm. right that's where the real danger was other allegory which i'm not sure i myself believe was intentional or is fully supported uh, but i want to mention it is the border of the suburb to the city is that also sort of the line cross the border of like virgin versus not virgin like is that relevant at all to this uh, well question? i think i think virgin is not really the correct word because i think yeah. the whole point of this loss of was it's more i would say well, see, the problem is saying loss of innocence, you can't, like, take that away from Virginia. Like, it's more, right. of a, more about growing up, right? Because I, I think that the idea that they wanted to very strongly talk about is that losing your virginity isn't growing up. It isn't losing your innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he still was pink and innocent at the beginning, even though she had had sex. Mm-hmm. Like, like, he still was naive and was trusting and that she hadn't fully become an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, she's still lying in her pool, even though she's, like, potentially should be having a job by then or whatever. Like One of my favorite visual metaphors that they had regarding the pool was yeah. after the first time the entity threatens her in her own home, she's looking out the window, and they loom over the fact that the pool is now emptied, mm-hmm. and the it's kind of, like, broken down a bit, and the pool was kind of her area where... She was, you know, innocent. That was where she was just carefree. Mm-hmm. And then that's been taken away. And then I think maybe I'm going a step too far with this, but then they're over at the Great Lakes. And so it's a much bigger area and it's like kind of where danger is. Mm-hmm. And then going into the city, it's a large pool. And it's I don't a, know. And I think that that's pond. kind of a that's kind of a combination of those two ideas mm-hmm. is that it's a larger mm-hmm. pool, but it's also going back to something she's comfortable with where she wants to try to like fight this demon. Yeah. So right. like small pond versus big pond and also safe place gets drained and destroyed mm-hmm. because the season is changing, time is passing, mm-hmm. therefore it doesn't even exist anymore. Right. You're growing up, you have to kind of put the things that keep you safe in the past. Mm-hmm. Even though they went back to the pool where they were as kids, but then yeah. they, they use it as adults and like Now they, they, they were it. in control. Right, it was, yeah. yeah. So you said something that made me think about, we, we haven't, I don't think we've addressed enough that a major trope in horror in general is- Running up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, punishing teens for having sex mm-hmm. yeah and you could argue the entire premise of this movie is about punishing people for having sex mm-hmm. and that even when she does pass it on she's still punished for it because she feels awful about it right so and also greg dies and things like and that. also she still always has to look over her shoulder yeah. yeah so i think 
But I'm torn between the fact that because of how this movie was made, I don't want to assume that they're falling into the usual pitfalls, mm -hmm. right? Because there's clearly art in thought, and especially from that quote that I read, right? Yeah. He's thinking about what he's doing. He's not just like a conservative guy from the 80s who's like, you know what, sex is bad, kids. But like... One um, more time. You know what, sex is bad, kids. One uh, half more time. No. Um, <laughs> and so if you just look at it on paper, it's hard to not say that the uh, takeaway message of this movie is sex is bad. Is bad. <laughs> I can imagine this movie, if you're like a 16-year-old watching yeah. it, even if there are some scares, I feel like there's a level of eye rolling to mm -hmm. it. Like, not that we're like dried up old fogies yeah. or anything, but for us it's like, oh yeah, let's explore the art and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we're like, out of our teens and not really in the state of mind yeah. of like bored kids. We're not twenty teens. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so, so is what you're saying that like it all can almost come off too too much of a PSA. Yeah, potentially. Sex is bad. Potentially, yeah. like it, your mistakes and sex can follow you and ruin the rest yeah. of your life. To ah. an extent, if they had put uh, a like just yellow text on a black background <laughs> that said "Use a condom" at the end of the movie, yeah. it would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I do think... Worked? <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it would have, like, would have not been out, out of place thematically. Okay, yeah. I suppose. I think that's when I would have started rolling my well, eyes. Well, I but... think I think it would be out of place thematically because it's, that's cheesy and this movie isn't cheesy. So that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to roll your eyes at it because it's so serious. Yeah. Like, it's not a goofy PSA. Right. It is a serious thing that you could still argue is a PSA against right. sex. Uh, I don't, I think it's more sort of delving into the complexities mm -hmm. and the, but the thing is at the same time, it isn't as much as he was arguing in that quote, it isn't delving into the positives of sex. So going back to something you asked me earlier, Dan, is, yeah. you know, about the gender politics of it. And I said it, it was neutral. I, I was neutral about mm. it. Not because there wasn't any polarizing things or different elements to form my opinion on, but because I kind of felt that everything sort of zeroed out to like a net neutrality. Yeah. Because, you know, we've got the classic... We, we need net neutrality. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, we, we've got the classic sort of like urban legend, you know, death of the boyfriend, sex Man is Helsing. the villain... Yeah, well, that's that's a separate. We'll say that for the end because that's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> but they've also got like the very mundane day to day, like survivor, like mm -hmm. what you mentioned, mm -hmm. Olga. So that I think, and some other factors, mm -hmm. made it to be neutral. Yeah. It's not saying sex is bad or sex is good. It and like the quote from the from the guy says, yeah. you know, sex is something that can distract us and make us happy. Yeah, that doesn't mean happy is good. Yeah. that just means it's just distraction. So yeah. I do feel like it is. A poem, mm -hmm. a sonnet, if you will, <laughs> about uh, sexuality and sex mm -hmm. in from a neutral standpoint. I don't think it's seeking yeah. to make an well, opinion. If it was neutral, don't you think it would have shown a more balance of the positives and negatives? I, I think it's hard to find a positive after you show. Well, the thing is, I, I, I don't. Yeah. I think that is the intent. Based yeah. on what he said, I think he intended it to. And the thing is, like. I just don't think that that comes through through the text. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I trust him. He's an intelligent person. He made a good movie. But I think if I'm if I'm thinking death of the author here, mm -hmm. then I think the overall takeaway 
like it, it just uh, is that it's mostly talking about the negative. It's not. It's definitely not having a neutral position on sex. So I, I just thought of something because yeah. I remembered us talking about this while we were watching the movie. Is the question of condoms? Mm-hmm. Right, we're like, oh Would yeah, that it's work because or not? right yeah. of like, oh they're having, are they having unsafe sex? Is it transmitted no matter the condom? Like yeah. I'm like, well they don't even talk about yeah. that, right? Like they don't show a rapper, yeah. they don't show anything like that. And I have to wonder if again, yes, death of the author. Yeah. But I think in some ways it's a lose-lose situation and that's why they don't mention it at all. Because if you show it being like prevented by a condom, then we'll like, ta-da, it's too PSA, it's so easy. But at the same time, if you show them having a condom and it being passed anyway, then it's like, see kids, abstinence only is the (laughs) only way that you're safe. So like they almost don't, like again, being punished for sex, like they can't, I don't think they wanted to outright say that because because of that like yeah, i feel like I the condom thing kind of feeds i into I, I completely agree with you I, I don't i think that they their message was never use a they, they never wrote this saying use a condom, <laughs> use a condom. No, that, that was that not the, that, that was a joke guys <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, I, my point is i think they very intentionally weren't yeah. writing a movie that was yeah. saying use a condom and that's why they didn't even want to bring it up i right. think even yeah. more specifically even if that like, I guarantee you that somewhere on the writing table, mm. that was in there. Potentially. Yeah. But they cut it because, oh, this is a laugh scene. Mm. Because, not because it's funny, but the people watching are like, haha, it blocks you with a condom. Or, haha, of course that, that plan and didn't work. And it makes work. the yeah. STT... Um, metaphor- <laughs> it makes the STD metaphor like really hit you over yeah. the head. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's heavily implied and yeah. you see it. But, like, the condom thing, like, also what Olga said, it's a lose-lose situation that kind of distracts from the movie that they actually want to make. I feel like if I wanted to, I could so easily write a paper proving how this is promoting abstinence only. Yeah. And so I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I innately do not believe that that is the message of this movie. Mm -hmm. Right. But I cannot argue against it that much. You could source evidence. Because they didn't give you anything. Yeah, they didn't give me that much in the source of the movie to be like, sex is okay. Okay. But again, at the end of the day, I do think that the greater thing is like, yeah, sex caused this. Yeah. But so did like shitty people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the one piece of evidence against sex is bad is that she wasn't a virgin when this happened. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That is like the one thing, but that's basically a line and it's something that happened before the movie started. So I'm like, well, the, yeah. the I think here's a pretty simple way to sum it up is yeah. sex isn't bad, but bad intention sex is bad. Yeah. And so it's it's to, to that yeah. extent, it, it still works because she wasn't a virgin. Yeah. She wasn't a victim yet. But yeah. as soon as she was victimized by an act of sex, yeah. that was what was bad. So it's not saying sex is bad. It's saying using sexual sex assault as a is tool. bad. Yeah. 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 You know? Using sex as a tool and using sex to as a weapon. better your as position yeah. in whatever way at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think that if I didn't hate Paul so much, he would also be... I think they're trying to end it with, oh, but now he found the positive sexual experience right. I don't Paul. think so. You don't think I that don't that, think so. I don't know, dude. They're walking together all happy. They're sh- well, they're not happy. They don't look yeah, happy, but they're no. sharing the burden together. Yeah, like... Oh, what I was going to say is I have a question for Dan and Keith, because you post a couple of questions for Olga and I's experience watching Mm -hmm. this as women. And one thing that stood out to me that I wanted to bring up to you guys Mm -hmm. is at one point, uh, Hugh says, he's like, just pass it off to anyone. You're a girl. You can Mm -hmm. do whatever you want. And 
in the end, when she does finally decide to pass it off to someone after Greg passes, mm-hmm. she just swims up to guys and by pa- doing and, just that, and, yeah, and just passes it yeah. and yeah, he moves had on. he had to like go on dates with her, yeah, and, like, talk fake to her an identity, her. yeah. 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 <laughs> Whereas like yeah, where and like and when he passed, it was just a, when it got passed to him, it was just a one night stand. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what like what are your various interpretations and what are your feelings about that? You know, from you yeah. know, the male standpoint, it, you know, it's interesting to me that you would ask what's the feeling from the male standpoint because I'm more fascinated by the female standpoint on that idea no as far as what I'm saying like because I think that that idea that the movie is presenting is the stereotypical male idea and so and but mm-hmm. and I feel like in recent times specifically in uh, against the incel culture that women have been saying that's not true right I, and I agree with that. But since it is the idea that the movie is posing, I first want to dive into, like, if... Because I feel like pop culture Mm -hmm. still kind of plays into that idea more heavily. Whereas, you know, on the internet and I think, like, in movements, Mm -hmm. women are trying to disprove that. But as far as what's the mainstream... Of course, we have opinions on this because we deal with it every day. But I don't think that we hear I have trouble not believing it. I, I think that, I, I mean, I'd be willing, I'm very open of it to arguments saying that I'm wrong. But yes, it definitely seems easier for women to get sex than men. I think that, and whether that's biology or whether it's because men are taught to, you know, go after as many women as possible and women are taught to be reserved and let people come to them. It's I, also like, about the perceived threat. So we actually made the joke about yeah. like the girl swims up to your boat in a cast, like, yeah. and like, <laughs> and like, and the three boat bros is like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So flip the genders. Yeah. The fuck? There, there's gonna, no, there's yeah, no question. <laughs> this person is going to murder us. Yeah, it's yeah. not like, is this person going to murder us? It's this person is definitely going to yeah. murder us. Yeah. So that alone, I think, Also, Dan even said, he's like, I I would think she'd murder me. Yeah. 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 She's yes. not even wearing a bathing suit. <laughs> But that that's, I mean, that's... It's that's like you the, must have some ulterior motive. I, I You're just, alone, too. But put it, don't, don't put it with, like, what we think. Put it, yeah. like, take, like, an average slice of, like, a human, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, go and, like, take mm, the population. Take, take like, a survey. Yeah. I think you'll find answers that, like, answer all the questions, you know? Yeah, what, and there's what, so many I, different... No, no, no. Well, I Dan, think, everyone I, understood what I said. <laughs> Honestly, I think I do understand what he's saying. For instance, yeah. like, if... um, Well, because we were talking about flipping the gender. So if a woman yeah. uh, swims up to the boat and, you know, the guys are like, okay, there's a lot you can say about mm-hmm. that. Is it easier for women? Are guys yeah. just easy? Um, or basically, like, guys have to work against being viewed as a threat whereas a advancement from the from a woman is an opening i think that that's only half the half the equation though that's because yeah, sure. because i think the other half of the equation is that that women are taught that them having sex is bad Mm-hmm. And I whether obviously I think that's changing. Hopefully, I think we're heading in. And a I think direction. she had a lot more remorse than any of, than the yeah. male character. Uh, I but I I think that the reason why we have this idea that men are easier to coerce into sex is because women are taught to keep their to, flower to not, to not be coerced. Yeah, into sex. yeah, exactly. They're they're taught to keep their flower and be honorable and all that bullshit. Uh, and so I think that that's part of it. I also think that a big part of this discussion that isn't talked about very much is 
okay, maybe it's easier for a super attractive woman right. to do this. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about this, I think most men are picturing the super hot woman. They're not necessarily picturing the average. Yeah, or and again, that lower, goes or below average. Yeah. The, uh, the the pretty person syndrome, yeah. I do think plays into this movie. Uh, not as bad as many other things, mm -hmm. but when you have the one sister says, yeah, she's the prettier sister, they're both very sort of California conventionally yeah. attractive. So. And specifically her sister's friend who's like, she wears glasses and mm -hmm. reads about like classic yeah. literature. And she was the most expendable one. Yeah. She literally she, gets shot. Yeah, no one apologizes to her and, and she continues to be like pretentious with her yeah. book, but like she's jealous of her friend's sister too. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, Oh, and, and this friend is also, like, the comedy relief. Like, she farts on their male friend, like, oh at the beginning. And it's, like, she is the, in a way, she's, like, the female Paul, where she's just, like, oh, I'm just, like, the, the, the yeah, where I'm just, like, I'm here. No one's going to be going after yeah. me. No one, yeah. like, Paul's they did have, what's his name, Ogle her. Greg. Yeah, Greg oh, does yeah. ogle her a little bit, and yeah. I think that's, if anything, like also setting up Greg being kind of shitty. But yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But the th but the <laughs> thing is that even before, where it's like, well, Paul, when they were kids, Paul kissed Jay and then kissed yeah. her sister, and it's just like, I don't know. I think I think yeah. you're right. Where it's like this, it's yeah. the pretty syndrome, but they're still all very yeah. like cast in a movie, attractive yeah. people. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I whether it's a reality or not. It, it's hard to say it because it just so so much to me as someone growing up in our society feels like a certainty and a truth. But I don't. And it's know. also just what we're shown. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm. I'm just. I think that. I think the idea is that a man would have to find a willing woman, and most women wouldn't be that easy. Right. Whereas um, a woman could find any man because they're all easy. Mm. That's the idea involved here, but. Keith, you didn't really say how you felt that much about it. Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> Go on, take an well, average choice, the answers will answer. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry I wanted I mean, you. Okay, all right, fine. Here's the thing. Personally... Like, how did it make you feel? I do not have a visceral personal opinion. And that's so... I have a, maybe, like, an intellectual opinion. Mm. And the way that I answer it is functional, which is you take an experiment. You take a conventionally attractive um, guy or at least moderately conventionally attractive guy, yeah. put her in the middle of a bar and say, who wants to have sex with me and who comes to the corner, count the numbers. You do the same thing, flipping the genders, and you count the numbers and see what happens. And I think you're going to get more if it's a woman. Yeah. 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 But I think also there's this thing of like, even if you subtract, like, I'm not, I don't want to speak for every woman because again, there is the societal like pressure of everything, but yeah. like a lot of women who care, carry this thing of like, well, there is this thing of like, he may be attractive, he may be my type, but I can't let my guard down to just be like, mm -hmm. let the deciding thing just be like my sex drive because I have to think right. about what am I safe as this? Yeah, okay? my character, is, my safety, mm -hmm. um, my do reputation. Like, yeah, what although, do I yeah. really want in the end? Like, I also Plus. think that we're in the beginnings of the sex positivity movement, and that in theory, maybe these ideas would shift with time, but. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The virgin or the whore? What well, does this movie actually that's, say? Uh, that's a big snaps. part of Ginger Snaps, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to get into the Van Helsing thing, and and then so you said to segue to the end here. Let's do patty cakes right in front of the microphone. I don't know how to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had a sad childhood if you didn't know how to do patty cakes. 
Anyway, we can do a video where you do a how-to patty cake. Um, so, Keith, you really we should excited. do patty, patty cakes with pancakes taped to our hands. All right, that's the plan. I think that's plan. a movie. I think it might actually also be a coming-of-age movie. Patty cakes with pancakes taped to your hands is a movie? <laughs> patty cakes is a movie, I think. That sounds vaguely familiar. Is it you talk about this Van Helsing thing, please? Okay. God. The amazing and beautiful thing <laughs> is every media that we have reviewed on this show podcast item Angst. has... Yes. Say it one more time. Angst. Say it a little bit more angsty. There you go. Very good. Um, has had a character who is sort of this archetype cool kid on the block slash Van Helsing Bad boy. sort of like 90s like of it uh, uh, above it over it like long hair kid too cool for I know school. you yeah. said 90s but one of your examples is from the 60s I know it is but it's but the, the 90s also oh, okay. is sort of but it's it's like pulling from the 60s too it's like fake like the fake hippie 90s okay I'm using that as a general archetype to help yeah. explain it yeah so you've got the kid who's like the older kid on the block, the cool kid, long hair, you know, smoking cigarettes. You've got uh, Cooper. Is that his name? Yeah, I mean his last name's Cooper. Okay. Yeah. From uh, Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Yeah. And he's Brian like, Cooper, I think. Okay. Is, yeah. So he's the cool kid on the block. Um, he goes off to uh, Vietnam. Vietnam. So he's sort of that hero yeah. character, and then he dies. Yeah. Then you've got Angelina and also Snaps. he's oh well I was gonna say he's also thought of as like for lack of a better word, like, the law of, like, that area. Like, he kind of sets the tone of yeah. what's expected. But, like, but like a chaotic and, good yeah. law. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very specifically. Yeah. And then we have Ginger Snaps Sam, again, yeah. chaotic good because he's a good. drug dealer and all that jazz. And then in this case, very much setting the tone, the Van Helsing character, yeah. he's got the lore, he's got the potions. Yeah. And then we've also got Greg, who also to a certain extent, becomes the Van Helsing yeah. character. He's like, oh, yeah, like, get, get in my station wagon. Yeah. We're going to the cabin. I'm going to you know, teach you how to yeah. shoot guns. He, yeah. he immediately intervenes. He goes to the park. Like, he yeah. puts himself into the situation. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, he brings them. And all the characters die. Yeah. So all these chaotic, good yeah. Van Helsing characters are in all these medias, yeah. and they always die yeah. close to the end. It's interesting, well, actually, no, to, in, uh, at the beginning. Of, I don't know uh, if I would, uh, by my definition of chaotic good, I don't really know if... Greg, Greg fits that fits with that. like him not really believing that this creature exists. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think he intensely disbelieved. I think he just he was agnostic towards the belief. Okay. Yeah. Which yes is. But he's not also the, he's doing it for her. So yeah. in a way yeah. that yeah. He is also a ve- vehicle in her gaining her agency back. He brings her to Hughes. Um, old apartment right. to find it. He goes with her to into His the nice, office. Right, the he goes school. with her to the house. He teaches her how to shoot a gun. Yeah, right. Um, I think you know what's interesting He's misguided, is misguided. Right. Yeah. A different version of this story could have been Hugh himself being the Van Helsing character because he is the one with the lore and he is yeah. the one who is like the bad boy. He could have redeemed himself or something. He had the problem an is yeah. the Van Helsing character sort of like intrinsically is the healer or helper, yeah. which he didn't yeah. provide. But so. I think he could have gotten to that stage yeah. if they wanted to go that way. With I'm it. glad they didn't, though. Yeah. That would have yeah, been a little too much. Yeah. So as we get ready to wrap up, there is one sort of anecdotal sort of watching story that we have that I think is pretty great to put on the podcast. Mm-hmm. In the scene where she is uh, right after, you know, coming back after being attacked, I'm going to call it attacked, but, you know, yeah. like, it passed. Um, 
She's in the bathroom, sort of, she's slowly looking down at her stomach and then, like, pulling out her panties and sort of looking down her underwear. And then there's, like, silence and there's a tension building. And all of a sudden, Mookie just <laughs> flips out and starts barking because the character's starting to breathe heavily. So angry. I freaked out. I was not okay with that because, again, word of this movie is unsettling. Yeah. You know what? My unsettling word is panties. Why do people have to keep saying panties? <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing is that was a very serious moment because it's like, I am changed. She yeah. said I passed something. Like, it's supposed to be, A, it's tense because of what's going to happen. B, it's incredibly sad. And then your dog starts freaking out. <laughs> and the best part is the timing was extra perfect <laughs> because as we hit play after it was paused, Instantly, that's when the red ball hits the window. Mm. So and what was like, supposed to be? The, <laughs> it was yeah, that was supposed to be the jump scare, but instead, Moogie was the jump scare. Yeah, this it's big, like comparison. This is a huge bark out of nowhere. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like the ball hitting the window would not have been as much. No, of a no. Now I'm just like, eh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, Whatever. My red nerves ball. Already, cool. Yeah, I'm already shot. All right, are we gonna rank this, guys? Yes. All right, for those playing at home, our rankings thus far are in number two, Ginger Snaps. In number one, The Wonder Years. Where does It Follows land? Olga does not get a vote. Yep, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I mean, you, why don't you vote first and then we'll nullify it? <laughs> America. <laughs> that is my statement. Thank you. Um, so, uh, who thinks, raise your hand and I'll say it out loud, who thinks that it is better than Ginger Snaps? Everybody raises their hands. Who thinks that it's better than The Wonder Years? When, now, the complicated thing about The Wonder Years is we have to preface it with, we only watched the, the two first episodes of The Wonder Years. But it's still very different. Yeah. Um, but I was, but like, if I was taking, yes, the entire series of The Wonder Years, um, that's a little different than... I would be more willing to watch all of The Wonder Years, or not, maybe not willing is the right word. Mm -hmm. I'd be more excited and up for watching all of The Wonder Years before a sequel of It Follows. Oh. So I feel like that... But um, is it almost also because one is a horror movie and the other one is like a feel good with then emotional moments mixed in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 is your what are you like? I think I'm leaning towards the Wonder Years. Yeah. What what are Keith? What are you leaning towards? I went in this thinking that I was gonna say Wonder Years is better. Yeah. But now that I'm thinking more about the cinematography and the mm -hmm. artfulness, so I agree. I would rather I would get more enjoyment out of watching more Wonder Years. Yeah. I do think that this is technically better. I, well, here's the thing. I, I don't think It Follows should get a sequel. So there's right. a little bit of... Yeah, <laughs> no, it should. Okay. So I have a question. I have a question about your rankings. Yeah. So, so where, like, you bring in the cinematography here. But, like, again, this is angst. Mm -hmm. This is about coming of age. What is a better coming of age yeah. story? Yeah, like, what mm -hmm. do you guys think? I think there's even an argument that that Ginger Snaps is a better coming of age story than It Ginger Snaps is a more obvious metaphor for a coming of age story. Oh, this is a pretty obvious metaphor. No, yes, but I, but I think... <laughs> I think this has more going on. Well, yeah, but again, if I'm talking about, like, what is what more exemplifies a coming of age story, I would argue... What were your... Is yeah, that the question, well, as far though? as, like, what were your changes? What did you... And, like, what did you go well, through? It, what is the question? Is my, that the question? Is my it what question is, better, is or? what succeeds out of... Which of the... Uh, your rankings of what succeeds better 
or best as, as a coming of age well, that, story. But is that what we're, what is that yeah, what I didn't know. Is? I don't know if that is the ranking. But I, I'm asking now. Well, okay, so yeah. what, what I would argue... Olga, you don't get a vote. This <laughs> I'm is not mine. voting. I'm asking a question. That's the point. So, okay, so what I would argue Ooh. is that what she's saying should factor in <laughs> yes. to our ranking. Sure. The amount, it's not that we're ranking what is the best coming of age story, but we are... A, a, a huge chip in the favor of things yes. is the amount to which it is a good coming of age story. Right. And in that factor, I do Wonder think... Wonder Years still wins. Wonder Years beats it, but it follows, even though maybe I would argue Ginger Snaps is a better coming of age story. This is a this better, is a better movie. movie overall, and they're both coming of age stories, so I would put it falls. That's mm-hmm. number two. For me, I actually think that this is better than Wonder Years. And yeah. again, I think I would enjoy, mm-hmm. I would feel better about my experience watching Wonder Years and be more comfortable and comforting. Mm-hmm. But I do think this being so artful, yeah. and I think the, the metaphors are so well handled, yeah. even if it's less um, transversal, you get to spend less yeah. growth with the characters, yeah. and the characters aren't as charactery. Yeah. Um, we're not ranking the characters growing, we're ranking yeah. the metaphors. Mm-hmm. In my mind, we're ranking the the tale. Yeah. But I would also argue that the, the tale and the the metaphor is more muddled as evidenced by the fact that we had so much back and forth about whether it was actually saying positive things about sex and all that. So like But muddled isn't bad. No, it's not. And the thing is I and I also wouldn't necessarily argue that there is a message to the first two episodes of Wonder Years. But uh, hey, it also doesn't matter yeah. because I'm outvoted anyway. Well no, but you might be changing my mind. Oh. So I I am oh, saying yeah. me personally, yeah. I think it follows is the best uh, Thing media we've that we've watched thus far. I would argue that you are correct. <laughs> so I Even think when they agree, it's I, an argument. I, How do you do this? I think I gotta. I think I gotta go with you. I think. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> to my last six years. I know. Um, yeah. Okay. I think. I think I gotta put it. So I think that this is something we'll take offline, but we're also going to reevaluate what our ranking standards but, are. But also officially... Like a rubric? We want to have an official rubric about this counts this percentage? I think we need percentage. one if we're okay. adding it. No. <laughs> yes, I think I, want, I would like a third party. But, okay, so if we're going forward, yes, we will have more strict guidelines, but officially, number one <laughs> is it follows. <laughs> because we voted, and that's how it works. So read the roster down one more time for the All right, at number home. three, Ginger Snaps. At number two, The Wonder Years. And at number one, the best coming-of-age story ever seen by this podcast is It Follows. And I Like, say, subscribe, share. <laughs> well, I will say one of the biggest things for me is the expectations were much lower going into it. Like, I thought it looked interesting but not good, yeah. but it was a good movie. Yeah. Therefore, I felt very yeah. positive about it. All right. I never want to see it again. <laughs> Which is fine, because yeah. so, there are some movies you don't have to see again. Yeah, that's true. Thank you guys so much for listening to this epic podcast. Our next episode will be on To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah, but what movie are we watching? To All the Boys I've Loved Before, out November 6, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in the meantime, as you're waiting for that, maybe you could go over to your favorite podcast service and give us a rating or review. That would be fantastic. Hopefully an angsty and scathing review. Yeah, something real, you know, dive into your inner, like, 14-year-old and write us some poetry. Please say nice things about me. Yes. And say awful things about Keith. Yes. That's Thank fine. you guys once again. Uh, feel free to also, you know, just hit us up on the Twitter. Just hit us. Just like 
physical abuse. At doing okay video. Thank you again. And until next time, I hope you're doing, doing okay. okay. One more doing okay. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the actual. <laughs>